Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Tonight, I've been teaching on the foundations of faith, and tonight I want to talk about the doctrine of tithing. The doctrine of the tithe. Talk about what the Bible says about tithing. We mention it every week. We gather together, and and it's been a while. The last time I really taught on the series was in 2014. It's been a long time. And uh, uh, years ago, Pastor Vicky used to get up and teach and my goodness, she'd teach some of the most insightful things about tithing during the service, and uh, always inspiring and life-changing. And, and uh, uh, in Jeremiah, I'll, I'll turn there, but I want to, first of all, just mention as we begin, and you can write this statement down, faith begins where the will of God is known. If you've never written that down, do it. Faith begins where the will of God is known. In Hebrews 11:1 one says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And when we look throughout the scriptures from the very beginning of time, all through the book of Revelation, we witness and recognize the great things that people did when they trusted God. Say this out loud, I'm trusting God with my life. Amen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So whatever things that you have in your life that you need, you reach out to God. First of all, you go to the scriptures and find out what God says about it. And then you hold on to those promises until they come to fruition. Amen. I said amen. amen. And then the Bible says in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe. He must believe that he is, that he's what? That he is what you're coming to him for. Amen. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen. So diligence on your part of seeking God is required. Uh, you know, we cannot put a timetable on God. We, we petition him, we worship him, we serve him, and we petition him, and we wait on him patiently for whatever he has promised in his word to come to pass in our lives. If you agree, say amen. amen. So anyway, I want to talk about the tithe, and I'm going to start with some t- statistics, if you want to put these up here, about tithing. And uh, t- uh, 5% of churchgoers... Uh, uh, tithe. Uh, that's from a, pl- a place called Church Development, an organization that checks all these things out. 1.5 million people tithe out of the 247 million U.S. citizens identifying as Christians. Stop and think about that. 1.5 million people tithe out of the 247 million Christians in America. Okay? If every Christian tithed 10%, Faith organizations would have an extra $139 billion each year. Now, the average weekly giving amount per church go is $17 per week. Now, I'm not, this is not talking about Faith Family Church. I'm just reading some statistics here. I don't want you to get down. Amen. We have tithers in our church. Amen. And, uh, but I just wanted to read this to you. Um, that's $73.67 a month per giver, $884 a year per giver. U.S. Christians collectively make $5.2 trillion annually, nearly half of the world's total Christian income. Did you catch that? That's amazing. I said that's amazing. And usually, you know, people, not often, I mean, not always, but people will call me and say, well, Pastor, we're in, we're in financial, you know, crisis. We're in a mess. 
And so I always ask our, um, those who oversee the finances, uh, what's their tithing record? And I'm surprised that their tithing record confirms their crisis. It's just what it is. And uh, I mean, it's just, you know, there's a reason for the season. And we know and understand, because we've been there before, where we have wondered where the next, you know, if we're going to make it or not in ministry. You know, are we going to pay our bills, you know? And um, God was always faithful. Always faithful to take care of us. Amen. Um, Praise God. When we first came here in 1981... Some of you, maybe most of you heard this story, but it's really true. We pulled into town with a load of furniture in my Mayflower trailer. We had the Mayflower franchise yet at that time. And uh, pulled into town, and Vicki was behind me. She was following in the station wagon that we had. And uh, we had one vehicle at that time, and, and it was this uh, 1976 Oldsmobile station wagon, because we had three kids at that time. And... Um, so I went into a building still there on 26th Street over on Cleveland and 26th and uh, stopped at the Hague Realty there. And, uh, and uh, I ran into there and, and I said, um, uh, we're looking for a home. And he just brightened, that realtor just brightened up. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, you're going to purchase a home? No, I said, we want to rent one. And he went from, hey, <laughs> like that. His countenance changed. And um, he goes, well, we really don't have anything. To, uh, uh, we, uh, we have nothing. And the phone rang. And I'm telling you the God's truth. I'm standing, and, and he, ran, he said, just a moment, sir. And so the phone rang, and he was talking on the phone. So I turned around to leave since they had nothing. And I'm halfway to the door, and he said, sir, sir, excuse me, sir, sir. And I turned around, I said, yeah. He said, you wouldn't believe this. Yeah, I would. He said, you wouldn't believe this, but there's a guy on the phone here, and his son just moved out of his house, and he needs a renter right now. And that house was two blocks from Hague Realty. And immediately, God was showing us that he was going to take care of us. Amen. I said amen. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. We were tithers back in the 70s, early 70s, when I first got saved. We began tithing off of our Mayflower moving franchise, trucking business. And we, we tithed and faithful did the tithe. And, and we sold the company and, and future later on and, and, and continued on the road of serving God. And, uh, but the tithe was connected to God's provision in our lives. And again, just like the Apostle Paul says, there was times that I lacked and there was times I hungered. And then there were times I had abundance. But in all the different times and all the different seasons, all the different experiences of life, I know one thing, that God is faithful and he took care of me. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And he did till the day that he gave up his life and went to heaven. So let's talk about the tithe. Listen to this. As far as evangelical Christians nationwide, one study showed that 24% of evangelical Christians tithe, which means the other 76% are either ignorant of the scriptures or they're simply not trusting God. There's a scripture in Jeremiah that says this. The Lord says, cursed is the man. This is Jeremiah 17, 5. Cursed is the man who puts his trust in mortal man and turns his heart away from God. Now, again, he's, Jeremiah is prophesying. He's addressing the children of Israel. He's not addressing the world. You understand that? You always remember, you always got to find out who God is talking to. And then he went, he said, what, what is this man like who doesn't trust God? Well, he's like a stunted shrub in the desert with no hope for the future. He lives on the salt-encrusted plains in the barren wilderness. Good times pass him by forever. 
Oh, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and has made the Lord his hope and confidence. He is like a tree planted along a riverbank with its roots reaching deep into the water. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's so good. A tree not bothered by the heat nor worried by long months of drought. Its leaves stay green and it goes right on producing all its luscious fruit. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that what you want for your life? That no matter whatever season the world is in or even this nation is in, God is taking care of you because you trust him. And one of the ways you trust him is through your tithe, through your giving. Hallelujah. And I said, hallelujah. Now, the first mention of tithe is back in Genesis. Now, listen, I teach the scriptures. I don't try to pull scriptures out to try to make them say something they don't. I've always studied the Bible in context. But so I want to be upright and truthful with you when it comes to this subject of the tithe. Because we're going to go back into Genesis, hopefully, before we end here tonight. And, but it's first mentioned in Je- I mean, the beginning of Genesis. But here in Genesis 14, Abraham, or Abram was his name. God changed it to Abraham in Genesis 19. And, but it was, Abram was his name at this point or we could say Abraham, doesn't matter. Uh, he went to battle for his, uh, uh, his nephew Lot, who was taken captive by some enemies. And here's what the Bible says. After Abram returned from defeating Kedor Lamur and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him, that's Abram, in the valley of Shava, that's the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, or you could say this, or king of Shalem, because it's Jerusalem, okay? The king of Salem, uh, the, which means peace, brought out bread and wine, which is the covenant meal, communion. And uh, he, was, he was priest of God Most High. So he was he, spiritually, I mean, he was, he was the represented uh, God, uh, the people to God, and God to the people. And the Bible says, he blessed Abram, saying, blessed be Abram by God, most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. And of course, the word tenth means 10%, the Hebrew, okay? So obviously, Abraham or Abram was taught about the tithe before this event happened. He had to get it from somewhere, which we'll discover as we go on. Now, in Hebrews, the seventh chapter, and I don't want to get into this all tonight because I don't have time to talk about Melchizedek, but it's interesting that the apostle Paul, Paul brought up Melchizedek in Hebrews 7. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything that he had gotten from the enemy. First, his name means king of righteousness. Hallelujah. He's the king of uprightness. He's the king of right standing with God. Isn't that good? Amen. Who, who's, who's the king of your righteousness? Say Jesus. Say it again. We just sang about him. Hallelujah. Amen. And the Bible says he's also the king of Salem, which means king of peace. Who's the king of peace in your life? Amen. Amen. Very easy here. And so the Bible says, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. 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 I said forever. Amen. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now, I don't want to get into... So, it's so beautiful, the types and shadows in the Old Testament that reveal the redemptive work of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Um, if you agree, say amen to that. But Melchizedek's priesthood was the foreshadowing of Jesus's ministry because it says in chapter six of Hebrews, the last verse, that Jesus took, Jesus is positioned in heaven as the high priest pertaining to things of God. So he's representing us before the Father. I've told you that many, many times. When I go before God, I just, uh, I don't have to remind God because he don't forget, but it, I remind me that I have a high priest seated at the right hand of the Father who is Jesus, who lived the life that I live, hallelujah, has great compassion and mercy, and he, and he continues to be my intercessor, hallelujah, so that when I go before God, I have right standing with God, and I have God's attention, hallelujah. Come on, give God praise for that. You have that too. You have that too as a believer. Amen. Say, I have a high priest that represents me in heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of God. Amen. It's so beautiful when you catch this. Hallelujah. So anyway, Melchizedek was the foreshadowing of Jesus' ministry, uh, which the Bible says continues forever right into the 21st century. Hallelujah. And what was Melchizedek's ministry? Twofold. To confer the blessing and receive the tithe. That's his ministry. To confer the blessing and receive the tithe in that order. To confer the blessing and receive the tithe. Tithing is about the heart. We'll look at this in a moment. It's about the heart. It's about you trusting God with your life. Amen. That's what it's about. It's you saying, God, I'm going to give you what you have required in your word so that what I have left can be blessed by you. Amen. Amen. That's what tithing is. So now in Genesis 26, hallelujah, uh, verse one through three, it says this, there was a famine in the land and other than the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. So Abraham experienced a famine and God provided for him. And now years later, we'll see that Isaac and Isaac, which is Abraham's son, went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him. Man, this is beautiful. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Obviously, he was planning on that because obviously he heard that there's provision in Egypt. But he said, don't go. Don't go. You listen to me. Don't go down to Egypt. Watch, watch this. And uh, live in the land which I will tell you. And dwell temporarily in this land. I like that, temporarily. Amen. See, he was heading for a city whose builder and maker is God. He, Isaac was like Abraham. He wasn't believing in some temporal uh, provision. He was believing for an eternal provision of God called heaven. Amen. And so he goes on and says this. Um, and I will be with you and I will favor you with blessings. Say, walking in the favor of God. <laughs> Amen. For to you and to your descendants, which includes us, I will give all these lands and I'll perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your, Abraham, your father. Verse 12. Then Isaac sowed. So he stayed there. He obeyed God. And he sowed seed in that land and received in the same year. Now remember, it's the year of a drought. It's a year of a drought. And I've heard this through the years, and I have. I've heard farmers. Um, it's really challenging for a farmer I've never, I have not known yet a farmer that tithes. I have not known a farmer that tithes. Um, not sure why, but give, but not tithe. 
And so uh, God wants to bless them just like he blesses us. Amen. Amen. I, mean, I mean, truly tithe uh, because there'd be a lot of money involved if that were the case. And, um, and so, and I appreciate everything that comes in, but I'm just making a point that tithing is, for a farmer, it can be a challenge, even though it shouldn't be, because he should understand uh, the seed, uh, the principle of sowing and reaping more than anybody. <clears throat> and so, um, the Bible says here that um, uh, a, a hundred times he 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 reaped a hundred times as much as he had planted, and the Lord favored him with blessings. And the man became great, gained more and more until he became very wealthy and distinguished. So this is the covenant of tithing in operation. How many want to be blessed of God? I mean, I mean, no, don't, don't be seeking the, the possession. Seek the possessor. Amen. Don't seek the hand of God. Seek the heart of God. We always get it backwards. And um, God is not a slot machine. Well, we're going to give 10% tonight. Ah, hit me, hit me, hit me. And No. You, you just serve God and trust him with your life. Amen. Um, so let's continue. He owned flocks, herds, and great supply of servants, again, during a devastating drought, and the Philistines envied him. Now, in Genesis 28, just hang with me now. Now we've, saw, now we've, we've watched God bless Abraham. We've watched God bless Isaac. Now here's Isaac's son, Jacob. Jacob, Isaac's son, Abraham's grandson, left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, say a certain place, certain amen. Place. See, when you're led by the Spirit, you'll always be where God wants you to be. Amen. amen. Isn't that beautiful? You'll be where God wants you to be, right. or, and where you need to be. And so he, at a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Now, taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head to lay down to sleep. No wonder they were called stiff-necked. I'd have a stiff neck, too, if I slept on a rock. Anyway, that's supposed to be more funnier than... You know. He had, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with his top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending. Boy, they were busy, busy on earth. There above it stood the Lord. Whew. Man. And the Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, which was Jacob's father. I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Because again, he's talking about redemption. Right? He's talking about, he's talking about the eternal things of God, not the temporal. Amen. We're only going to be here for a second, and we're taking nothing with us except for two things when we leave. We're going to take our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. That's all we're taking to heaven with us. Okay, so the Bible says all peoples of earth will be blessed through you, and your, uh, uh, through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This, this place, this place, this place. What was the place? What was it? This is none other than the house of God. The word Bethel means house of God, which we'll see here in a moment. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. And he called that place Bethel, which was God's house. So isn't this beautiful that it was in that place, in God's house, 
where he received the prophetic word of God uh, regarding the promises of God. It was in God's house. See, when you come here, God will speak prophetically to you for whatever, wherever you are in your life, for whatever you need in your life, God will speak to you in God's house. Why don't you give him a good shout of praise for that? God will speak to you in his house. In his house. Hallelujah. Of course he can speak to you anywhere. But this is where God set and established his covenant is in Bethel, the house, his house, so that he could minister to us corporately. Hallelujah. So he called that place Bethel. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God, oh, this is powerful. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar, pillar will be God's house and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Mm, isn't that something? So even Jacob now has this conviction about giving a tenth back to God. Who did he get it from? He got it from his daddy Isaac and his granddaddy Abraham. So the tithe again had to be established sometime, which we'll, uh, we'll see here in, the mo uh, in just a few moments. So how does this how does all this relate to us or connect with us? The Bible says in Galatians, I love this, 3.29, if you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Did you catch that? Come on, let's wake up here tonight. Did you catch that? So when you read about these blessings, they belong to you as much as they belong to Abraham. Amen. Amen. And again, it comes back to this tithing. And I'm grateful for everybody that ties a faith family church. But those that don't, my goodness, don't, let, don't get cheated out of the great things that God has for you that he's promised you in his word. I want to walk in the favor of God. How about you? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, I am going to do that, Tina. I'm going to skip Malachi. We'll go back to that. Um, next week, because I cannot teach all this in, in one session, so we'll come back here next week, okay? So let's look at the origin of tithing. We have a few minutes here. Go back to Genesis, uh, the second chapter, Genesis 2. Let's look at the origin of tithing. Praise the Lord. And again, I'll just say right up front, you're not going to find the word tithe in the beginning of Genesis, but it's definitely there. And we'll look at this as we read. Genesis 2, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And again, just for some of you who don't know, anytime you see the word, isn't that up there? Anytime you see the word Lord God, that is the second person of the Godhead. So you can, it bears witness that the Trinity is in operation here. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord God was, Jesus, don't get confused. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he's Lord of all. He's always been Lord of all. Just because he was born as a baby in the manger, he did that for us. He was Lord before that. Now he's Lord after that. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that good? 
So I just wanted to show you that because I can, again, if you really want to get, you can look up Colossians 1, verse 15 through 16. You can look up John, the first chapter, verse uh, 1 through uh, uh, 3. And then you can look, if you're writing these down, and then you can look up Hebrews, the first chapter. It all bears witness that he, Jesus, is the creator of all things. Amen. Amen. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Yes. Hallelujah. Uh, second Corinthians, no, I don't know what that quite is. It's in Corinthians somewhere. <laughs> anyway, let's go on. And uh, he made the earth and the heavens, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. So the earth at that time had never rained. No, no rain had ever come from above. It, 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 the earth was watered from beneath. Pretty cool, huh? That's why it was such a great uh, feat on Noah's part to build an ark on dry ground where there was no ocean uh, because it had never rained. And so it was surely a journey of faith. Amen. Amen. I'd be tough enough to, to build an ark 120 days, much less 120 years or whatever it was, how many, however long it was. Well, let's go on. And the Bible says that, um, uh, but there went up a mist of the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Verse seven, the Lord God formed a man or the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted, the Lord God planted. Isn't that wild? He planted. He took seed in his hands and planted a garden in Eden. Isn't that beautiful? So whose garden was it? It was God's garden. Amen. And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, God made the, uh, uh, ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that is it, it, that is it which encompasseth the whole land of Hevelah, uh, Havilah, uh, where there is gold. Uh, that, the word Havilah, I looked that up. It's modern day Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. That's where it is today. You look it up. I, don't know. I didn't have time to look it up. I mean, that's true. But I don't know where that is. Somewhere in the east. And the gold of that land is good. Uh, and there was a delium and the onyx stone. The name of the second river is Gion, the same as that compassed the whole land of Ethiopia. The name of the third river is Hedekel, and that is which goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river was Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Amen. That word dress and keep is really powerful. The word dress means to cause it to produce. The word keep means to surround it, to surround it with a staked fence, meaning watch it because you're going to have enemies trying to come in and destroy what God has blessed you with. Okay? I don't have time to teach on that either. I just want you to know that. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden that thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest of it thou shalt surely die. Amen. Well, no, we're going to stop there. So it's isn't it amazing that then, of course, in, um, in uh, yeah, let me stop there. Okay. So you got two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the tree of life represented two things, the presence of God and the wisdom of God. How important is the wisdom of God? Turn, if you would, to Proverbs 3. Let's look at it real quick. On your phone, whatever. Proverbs, the third chapter. Proverbs 3. We'll look at this just for a minute. 
and then we'll come right back. In Proverbs 3, it says in verse 13, how important is wisdom? Listen to this. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. Why is it better? Because with the wisdom of God, you'll keep that which is valuable. If you don't have God's, if you don't have God's wisdom, it'll be taken from you. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou desirest, canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Do you hear that? Length of days is in her left hand, and in her right hand uh, is, is or excuse me, right hand is length of days, left hand is riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Watch this. She, that's the wisdom of God, she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retains her. And the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, and by understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop, dew, uh, drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. That's wisdom and understanding. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul, and grace to thy neck. Watch this. Thou shalt walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Is that powerful or what? I mean, really, I mean, he's, uh, Solomon is instructing his son by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Man, seek the wisdom of God. Because everything that you'd ever want in life is there. And then he finishes this. He says, um, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid, yea, thou shalt, not, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord shall, the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. So again, that's how important the wisdom of God is. Hallelujah. So the tree of life represents uh, two things, the presence of God and the wisdom of God. Then there's the tree of the knowledge of good, good and evil. That represented two things, ownership and stewardship. Ownership meaning God owns it all. We, in fact, I was telling Randy, I said, we don't own anything. I mean, if we're, I mean, if we're really truthful, either the bank owns something, uh, you know, I mean, or they think that, but I mean, if you sign a contract to buy something, the bank owns it, you don't, not until you pay for it. Come on, everybody. I mean, we don't, we really don't own anything. It all belongs to God. It all does. It all belongs to God. But we're stewards of it. See, the, every time Adam looked at that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, every time he did, it reminded him that God owned it all and he was simply the steward, listen, and had to be a faithful steward. So when Satan came to him, when, when, Satan, uh, when Satan came to deceive the woman, the first thing he says in Genesis 3, hath God said, thou shalt not eat of every tree? No, 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 no. God didn't say that. Look, no, look back at verse, I'll go back there. Look back at Genesis 2, verse, that's not, God didn't say that. See, he's the first politician. No, seriously. He's the first politician. Satan's the, you know, he's the first politician who twisted and perverted God's word uh, for his own evil schemes. Amen. 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented two things, ownership and stewardship. Genesis 3.1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? That's not what he said. He said in verse 16, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But look at how he twisted it. The devil does it all the time. Millions of acres of real estate is what Adam had. Millions of acres. Not just thousands, millions of acres. Israel today, the map of Israel is 10% of the size of it was of what God had originally given Abraham. It was massive. And so he had all of the oil, all of the gold, all of the silver, everything. You, I mean, it was more, I mean, it was a bunch. Now listen to me, listen, listen. His provision, listen to me, was to last him forever. Because Adam was to live forever. So his provision was forever. Not, not till 80 years old, not till 120. It was forever and ever and ever and ever. See, there is no such thing as, as um, shortage. But there is such a thing as greed. But you can see, you know, millions. And yet, yet the devil, listen, he works constantly in your life to get your focus off of what you, all the good things that you have under the one thing you don't have. Out of the one thing you don't have. It's just constantly. And I think you said it Sunday. If you, if you weren't here Sunday, you got to get Randy's teaching. It was absolutely phenomenal. I was so blessed by it. Uh, uh, yeah, blessed by it. But, I mean, you got to be satisfied with what you have. Be thankful for what you have. I said be thankful. Amen. Be grateful. Be praising God every day. Just be thanking him and praising him every day that he's a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a kind God. Amen. In fact, on Sunday, I'm going to preach a message called God is a good God. Why don't you give him praise for that, that he's a good God. Hallelujah. Amen. So millions of acres of real estate alone and all the prosperity. Adam was a steward over, and I wrote this down. Yet when it comes to lust, it's never enough. Satan is constantly baiting us to, get us to try to tempt us to get dissatisfied and murmuring and complaining for what we don't have rather than just praising God for what we do have. Amen. Amen. And isn't it something how 76% of evangelical Christians aren't satisfied with the 90% God called them to manage, but have to steal the 10% that actually ties them spiritually to God's greater blessings? It's easy to tithe when you're making $100 a week. I mean, it's easier because it's only 10. When you start making one, two, three, four, five thousand a week, you know, it can be attempting a, a not to. But thank God, again, I, I give all, I applaud all of you. There's no way, listen, I'm closing now. There's no way in 12 months that you could pay off just under $600,000 in 12 months without people sacrificially giving. Amen. So thank you. And I applaud you. Thank you so much. Amen. I do. And I have never forgotten it, and I will never forget it. Praise God. It's just such a blessing to see something achieved through their corporate faith and obedience of God's people. 
Hallelujah. Say, say this out loud. I have greater days ahead. Amen. Stop listening to the news. Just, just listen to the good news. Hallelujah. Amen. And you'll stay in faith. You won't get into fear. You won't get into fear. Just listen to what God is saying and you'll be just fine. Can I have an amen? So tithing isn't an, op- uh, isn't an option. Here's the definition of tithing. For the, I wrote this down. Tithing is a declaration of our independence from this world's economic system and of our total dependence on God's heavenly, heaven's economy. That, that's, what, that's what the tithe is. It ties you into a divine order that God established a long time ago in the Garden of Eden. That you just keep yourself from the tithe, and God will bless your life. Again, it's about the heart, and we're going to talk about Cain and Abel next week. But it's all about the attitude of the heart. That's what it is. And I understand. There's, I do understand this. That there's times when you are such in a crisis, uh, you know, that you're going, where, how am I going to? I love Brother Copeland. Again, I said it last week, you know. He, didn't, he was sober. He, in fact, he wanted, I think it was him or Jerry, one of the guys wanted to trade his car in for some tapes, some teaching faith tapes, but they wouldn't take the car because it was in such bad shape. <laughs> so you look at these guys now that are very successful, but you didn't see them when they started out. But he believed so much that he broke a, a, a pencil in half and gave half of it an envelope. And again, I share this, but on the way out, somebody flipped him a $20 bill, man, and he rushed to the altar and got that in the offering. Isn't that beautiful? And because he believed, he believed the word of God. Say this out loud, I believe the word of God. Amen. And uh, again, it, it, you're, you'll be tested uh, in your life every week. That's why I'm so proud of many of you. Uh, it must be just the, the age of the young people. Get, many of you give online, uh, uh, which is such a nice thing. We do too, because it comes right out. Praise God. You got the joy of the Lord knowing it's coming right out. You're not tempted to eat it or spend it. Can I have an amen? Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray with you tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we do. We meaning who? Vicky and I and, and Matt and Angie and, and uh, all of our family uh, and our staff, we all believe and pray. Every time you come, I said, Randy, when you're, when you're down there and you're overseeing the offering, make sure you pray for the people and, that, and ask God to bless them. And we do the same thing on Monday. We ask God to bless you, that it, that it would be a supernatural week of of, of financial prosperity. So don't dig up that seed faith with a bad confession. Amen. Well, we just can't afford nothing. If you keep saying that, you'll have exactly that. But if you're saying, Lord, I'm planting this seed in faith. And Father, I'm trusting you that it's going to multiply. Come on, everybody. See, that's your faith. That's your faith speaking. Your faith is saying, hey, I believe you, God. I believe. You said, sir, that if I would bring my tithes to the storehouse, that you'd open up the windows of heaven. We'll read that scripture next week. And open up and pour up me out a blessing. The word blessing actually is the word benediction. It simply says this. I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you a word. I remember years ago when I was buying, um, a, I was on the road trucking for Mayflower. I bought a truck. I actually borrowed I borrowed $3,000 from my mom, and I borrowed $3,000 from a precious, precious man who owned a Ben Franklin store. And the first year, I, this is absolutely the truth, one year, 12 months later, I never, in 12, in 12 months, I never saw a check. 
Why? Because I was so focused on paying off. I paid off mom and him. One year I paid that 6,000 off, you know, so I could be free. I didn't want to be obligated to them and I paid mom off and I paid him off and, 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 and so on. And, but, but anyway, I was on the road traveling. I was gone uh, at least three weeks at a, a time. Uh, uh, and I'd go home for about, and this is true, I'd be home about three days. And they'd be calling, Mike, we need to get you back on the road. So off the road I go. It was a little easier then because that time we had Amy only. We didn't have Angie until a little later. And so, um, uh, but it was hard, so I did it. And then uh, this trucking company, uh, uh, I'm making a point here, so stay with me. This trucking, little trucking company, uh, he had a truck. Remind me, remind me of Greg's pickup when he first started. Uh, it was held together by stickers. Uh, they're so rusty. And, um, and, and, and he, seriously, it, it, was the, you couldn't, it was so embarrassing driving it. It was a rusty pickup, and then he had a small freight truck. Not a big, not a big moving truck, a small little freight truck. And, uh, he, but he had license. And back in those days, you couldn't start a trucking company. You had to buy one, uh, you had a, one that's already fathered in. You know, it's, it was grandfathered in. You couldn't buy one. You, you couldn't start one. You had to buy one that was already existing. But he had a license. And with that license came a territory that you could move people. Part of the territory was a little bit of South Dakota, a little bit of North Dakota, a little bit of uh, most, uh, a lot of Minnesota and a little bit of Iowa. So, so I, anyway, so he called me and says, I would like to, uh, to sell this, and he, and he was having, bless his heart, he was having a problem, uh, some personal problems, so, so this came up for sale, and he wanted $12,000 for it. And, um, and, and to me, that was a lot of money. And, um, and unbeknownst to me, the Mayfar franchise owner there in this, in Montevideo, uh, he called me and says, I would like to sell you the Mayflower franchise. And oh man, I got excited, this is God. Oh, this is God. And all he wanted was 80000 for it. And so, uh, that's what he wanted, 80000 And so, uh, and you may think that's easy decision, buying the 12 over the 80, but it wasn't because I, I, to me, Mayflower was everything to me. I mean, I had a Mayflower watch with a ship that ticked. I mean, I was, I was sold out. I mean, if I, if I could have Mayflower green teeth, I would have. I mean, I had Mayflower green outfits and gold. I mean, I, I loved the Mayflower company. It was a great company. And so, I, um, so it was really hard for me to get directed over here when I could be over here with the 80,000, 1280. So Friday night, I went to prayer. And I was tormented in my mind. I'm making a point here. And the point is, when you tithe, the Bible says he'd open the windows of heaven and pour you out a benediction, a word. So I went to bed that night just not knowing what to do. Oh, God, I just don't know what to do. The moment I opened my eyes in the morning, bam, the word of the Lord came to me and says, you buy that little rusty pickup and that little freight truck, and you start with that. So I did. I disconnected from Mayflower uh, over the road, and I bought this little company. And, um, and so I did trucking locally, but I was home, you know, with, with my family. And um, a year and a half later, Mayflower calls. Now, again, remember, I'm going to believe that God blesses diligence. Yeah. Now, and I'm not bragging. It's just the way it was. God taught, uh, my precious father taught me how to work. And I worked hard on the farm. So when I was in the moving business, Richard worked, worked for me. And uh, I, I worked 14 hours a day. I worked nonstop. I mean, I just worked hard and, and um, yeah, on the road. And they'd call me and sometimes they'd ask me for a favor, meaning go pick up this junkie load. You're not going to make much money on it, but we'll bless you on the other end. So I would do that. So when I left Mayflower, I had favor with Mayflower. In fact, I had led the vice president of Worldwide Mayflower, the vice president of Worldwide Mayflower. I led him to the Lord. 
And so I had favor. So I disconnected from them and said goodbye to them. And a year and a half later, they called and said, uh, Mr. Bang, uh, I'll never forget it. Oh. He, his name was Joe. He says, uh, got some good news. I said, what, sir? He says, the Mayflower moving company there in, 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 in your town has been doing some shady stuff and we're pulling the Mayflower franchise from him and we'd like to give it to you. $80,000, year and a half later, I got it for free. Let's give God praise for that. Is that awesome? See, sometimes you think, boy, I tell you, are things ever gonna change for me? Stay faithful to God. Stay in love, stay in faith, and stay in a spirit of expectancy. Now, we're gonna receive your offering tonight. And, and, when we're, I'm, and I, I'm not here to get anything from you. I'm not. I'm here to challenge your faith. It, maybe you just want to bring an offering. Put a dollar in the Put something in the offering. And then I want to, you to release your faith and, and that your Father in heaven is seeing that tonight. And he's going to return a blessing back into your life. So get ready for the offering right now. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.